Hey, it's Brian, and this is a Rock and Roll Bedtime Stories retold episode. If you're new to the show, that just means we're taking something from the back catalog and putting it back at the top of the feed because it's relevant for one reason or another. And this week it's relevant because we have been talking about ZZ Top on the show. So it occurred to me way back, way back in the archives, we have an episode about ZZ Top and a buffalo. Yeah, that's not an entendre. That's not doublespeak. We are literally going to talk about a buffalo, the mammal. Uh, so yeah, if you if you don't know the story, uh, check it out. Thank you for all the, the notes you sent us at wearethestoryguys.gmail.com about the episode this week. I'm already hearing plenty of response, uh, <laughs> including uh, some comments about, man, that zombie ZZ Top story is not in the ZZ Top documentaries that we have watched. Yeah, it is a, that's a weird one. It's a hidden one. And, and thank you for everybody who's written in um, said that they are enjoying spinning the zombies this week. I'm glad we gave you an excuse to do that. And I hope that you will enjoy this episode. Uh, we are going, we're going back to ZZ Top uh, versus the Buffalo. It's Rock and Roll Bedtime Stories. Retold. Enjoy. Funnest things to talk about with rock and roll is rock and roll excess and ridiculous things. I mean, we've we've sort of hit a lot of those things. We've Ozzy's done we've done snorting. a few of these. Yeah, Aussie right. snorting ants. That's a good one. Uh, that, that, yeah, Billy Idol in the Thai hotel room. That one comes to mind. Yeah. We've spent some time there, and of the, course, uh, the Who, uh, trashing the Holiday Inn. We talked about that again last week. That uh, that happened. You know, for some reason, it builds into the fantasy of why we love rock and roll. You know like we like musicians, you know, it's like they really do live this lifestyle that we don't. So my first concert was friggin' Kenny Rogers with Dottie West opening up at Heck Murphy yeah. Center in Murfreesboro. Heck yeah. And he had, he had the glow-in-the-dark Frisbees and stuff. Have, have I ever music. told you it's... about what my mom calls Kenny Rogers? What? This goes back to a story where uh, when my brother was still living at home, so he's six years younger than me, so now... F- fully an adult right he's in his 30s but this was uh i don't know probably 10 15 years ago uh he was still at home and uh i found a kenny rogers tape in the kitchen i was going to put it in the space maker do you ever have one of those the space maker it was the tape deck that slid under the counter yep Um, i've got friends who moved into a house recently and there was still a space maker that looked exactly (laughs) like the one from my childhood in it and i gotta say it i every time i go over there i geek out about it and they're very unimpressed they're like we get it. You like this. But um, so so my mom, uh, I, I didn't know she was into Kenny Rogers. And I said, hey, mom, is, is that a Kenny Rogers tape and uh, that you have here with the space maker? And she says, yes, but I, I don't listen to it in front of your brother because that's married people music. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm not Kenny's even dirty. sure. I'm not even sure what that means, other than Kenny Rogers likes yeah. to bang. That's all I. That's all I get I from that. I know you're weary. <laughs> I, know, I know your plans. Don't include me. What? So in a pinch, what's your go-to Kenny song? Um. Oh. I bet my mom is geeked. I, Did you know that there's a uh, this month there's a new Kenny Rogers record, "Songs of Faith." I bet she's really, really excited about that, being the former preacher's wife that she is. I got a go-to. I got a go-to. Okay, and what's your I, go-to? I bet it's your, not your mom's go-to. It's uh, Daytime Friends. Ooh, I don't know. That sounds like married music to me. I mean, Daytime Friends and Nighttime Lovers. 
hoping no one else discovered what they do. <laughs> it's like, I got to figure out what that was. Thanks, Kenny. But anyway, so my first rock and roll concert. Thanks, Hold Big on, we're sister. not out of the Kenny hole yet. Oh, we're not? I want you to sing this for us. <laughs> you know, it's so important for you to hear the words. Working late again. Oh man. But she knows too well. <laughs> He's an instigator. Going on. She's been neglected. She has. I mean, can we talk about Ruby Don't Take Your Love to Town? Because that's my go-to, and that's yeah. the most depre- one of the most depressing songs of all time. What a depressing I mean, I, I'm pretty yeah. sure it's in the book that we've talked about on the show before, uh, that I want to kill myself, or I, I want to kill myself and want to die, or whatever it's called, uh, about the most depressing songs ever written. Um, I'm sure yeah. it's in there, but man, listen to the lyrics of that one, and uh, it's like yeah. a Larry Brown novel. It's rough. Did you see the Kenny Rogers movie he was in where he was the, like... The you know, race car driver with the kids. No, but whatever that, sounds, that movie was called. That sounds great. Uh, <laughs> Hold on, yeah. I, will, I will find out what that is. Anyway, I'm sorry I've distracted us down the Kenny Rogers hole. Let's bring this back to rock and roll. Your big sister introduces you to rock and roll, and where do you go? Yeah. So, so what was my first rock concert? Do you, can you roll the dice? Do you, do you think you can pick it? Um, was my, it was it Aerosmith? I know she was an Aerosmith no. fan. No, um, I did get to see them, but with her, it, it wasn't Crew. Crew was later, right? It was later, but she took me to see them too. So was it ZZ Top? Is ZZ Top? Oh, buddy, are at, we talking about ZZ Top today? At, at the at the Murphy Center in Murfreesboro, also in 1987. So I'm a 13-year-old uh, young man, uh, and I am freaking out because at some point after the opening act plays. Um, I got to see Jimmy Barnes was the opening act. And at another leg of the tour, it was Jeff Beck. Oh, my God. How does that even happen? So, but, um, so the lights don't go down, but like parts of the lights do around the arena. And Born to be Wild starts playing really loud. We've never done an episode on vamp music or like the song that plays right before the band comes out. But I feel like that's a whole episode because I have my buddy Judd, especially like it's like an obsession of his. And whenever he sees a band, he will text me. He lives in California and he'll be like, bro, I'm seeing such and such a band. And they just came out to Waylon. And it would, you know, it'll be like, uh, it's hilarious. The, 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 but it really does set the scene and set the mood. So they set the mood with Steppenwolf, which is, that's a bold move. You've got a lot to follow up to if you're going to start it with with Step. And so, they had their inflatable beach balls. I've never seen this before. What are all these people doing here? And what is that weird smell? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I remember my brother-in-law said, oh, you'll know what it is. Some, like he said something like, oh, you'll figure it out. or something. <laughs> um, so the lights go down and there's this big golden pharaoh in the and like the that's the back of the stage. Like that's what the backdrop is. This enormous like thing from Egypt on stage and in front of it I I tried looking this up to, con, to, to confirm this was a thing but man I remember it clear as day there was like this big white sheet in front of it and it snorted it up its nose the pyro goes off and they come out on stage and start singing got me on depression and it's like what was the white sheet up the pharaoh's nose doing ah well <laughs> you know 
I got a little older. I found out what that was. So was this like the, was this the Afterburner tour? Like what were they this touring on? Afterburner, yeah. Okay. This is Rough Boy and Stages. Yeah, and, yeah. That was that. So what we want to do, since we were talking about rock and roll excess, we we want to I want to ask everybody tonight. This is the question: Did ZZ Top really take a real live Buffalo out on tour and then lose it? No way. No way. I okay, so you you mentioned this and I think someone has mentioned this to me before about uh man, we must have gotten a note or something or someone had uh hit up the show and said, "Do you know anything about ZZ Top in a in a Buffalo on tour?" And I just thought that is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. So, you've got that story. Yeah, yeah. And the the thing that's crazy is I looked at like all kinds of other things that bands have done and like if you remember like the p-funk like mothership like that they had that mother it was that ufo that would come out of the sky yeah, like, yeah, I, yeah. i've got a link for the show notes where it comes out of the sky and dr funkenstein comes out of it that's george <laughs> clinton and they they did that right but then have you ever seen george clinton remember, Yes, I did. I did once, um, and it was at a festival, and I was walking back after another show, and I just remember being like, "Oh, this is this is where the party is." Like I like I know I've been at other shows all night, but I should have been here. Yeah, yeah, I, it's super fun. So, speaking of super not fun, did you have a lot of experience with the Wall, like the the record, the Pink Floyd record? So. Not a ton. Pink Floyd was one of those bands that I encountered. I mean, because of my age, I didn't encounter it initially, right? But then in college, you encounter it. Uh, And I remember in film lecture, we watched the movie. uh, And that was like a whole thing. Um, And then, you know, I had friends. And my favorite Pink Floyd song, because I don't go very deep in the Pink Floyd catalog, is Wish You Were Here. I think it's a great song. It's a terrific song. Great record. Yeah. Um, Shine On You Crazy Diamond. So I, I listened to that because I had older, some older kids that turned me on to that. And I, you know, it was mysterious and weird and strange. And once I got older and I learned the true meaning of those songs, like you realize it's kind of this work of art, you know. We probably need to do an episode on Sid Barrett at some point because that's, that's a whole character in rock and roll that people don't really understand. They just kind of have heard the name. Yeah, and without him, like that, there's no nucleus of that that group, you know. Right. But like, if you think about it, the wall like is a big piece of art. Like it's it really is. But unfortunately, it's it's the only thing that Roger Waters has hung his hat on for forty years. Is, is well, and thing. he's still touring with some crazy setup, but, right? Where the wall yeah. comes down at the end or something. Right, right. So let's talk about that. Have you ever seen footage of the two? They did it. They did a like thirty dates of. In 1980, have you ever seen the footage? No, that, no. That's what I was going to tell you. So they, they, it, it is, it looks, and they, they did it only in like six cities, but they played 31, 30, they performed the show 31 times. So they just did multiple shows okay. in, in single places. But yeah, so eventually they're standing there and, and these people start bringing out cardboard boxes and they, you know, the the idea, their total disregard for the audience is pretty impressive. 
Right. <laughs> and it's like this huge selling record. And then they just had people putting little bricks and stuff in front of them. And then they, you know, projected crap on it so that people didn't get bored. Bored, And at the end, they knocked down the bricks. Oh. So that's so Roger Waters takes that thing out. I mean, still. I see how in a boardroom or a boardroom in a back of a bus, that sounds somewhat interesting. Like, oh, and then we'll kick the wall down. But man, it is. It's like waiting. uh a whole uh, movie for the one punchline, right? You, that's yeah. a that's a lot to ask the audience to invest in. Yeah, and uh, like you like see once we get to ZZ Top, like I'm telling you, all this stuff right here is 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 amateur hour. <laughs> Remember, like U2's Pop Mart tour, they had the 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 lemon at the end. They would try to. I've come got out a whole book. I've got a whole book on the Pop Mart tour in in my see, rock and roll library. Amazing. Yeah. Okay. I was going to I was going to ask you if you knew what the name of the tour was and see if you were going to say it's the Lemon Tour, but no, you even have a book about it, which is awesome. <laughs> of course. So, and then there's there's of hey, how am I not going to get us back to that band? How am I not going to get us back to Motley Crue? It's so easy. I mean, it's Tommy Lee. I, I don't expect to sit through an episode with you facilitating and not talk about crew at some point. So please yeah. tell me, tell me, I mean, there's the drums, which was it you and me? No, it wasn't me and you. It was me and another guy who went to this, you know, the final, final tour, though they've done a lot yeah. of those. And, uh, it, seriously, my only reason was like, I want to see Tommy Lee on the drum thing. Yeah. And it was worth and, it. And I, and there was a time where he had a vamp for his drum solo and I think it was the roller coaster. It might have been what you saw, and it was Carmina Barana. Like it's it's Ozzy's vamp. It's Ozzy's vamp too. Um, the that song. Um, and and you know, there's been multiple inflatable penises. Like, did you know that the Stones had a name for theirs? I I did not. What did, did they call it? They, they called it Tired Grandfather. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and then. And then, and okay, and so, and so, here's something just for everybody, just for fun that loves music that's that's listening. There's an electronic artist named Flying Lotus. Yeah, oh it yeah, is yeah. It is impossible for me to explain to anyone what his live performance is, but I'll try. He has a giant canvas that's a hypercube, and he's in it, and then. There's lasers and lights projected onto the cube and inside the cube and on him. And it's totally weird and totally awesome. Um, just like how like people could take things on tour, but nothing compares to what I'm about to tell you. And I can't believe that in, in the annals of rock and roll that this isn't one of the most like heralded stories of the craziest rock and roll excess thing ever there were 130 different lights 260 speakers 160,000 watts of power there were eight track trailers and they they had a desert scene on them and they had to go into specific orders because it was this a specific like a different channel so, like this is just up. this is just in the transporting or is this that's yeah. So that when people see them on the interstate, they see the whole, the picture in order. That's right. Oh, yes. that's impressive. That's a that's yeah. a level of anal retentiveness that I should, I salute. Yeah, they had this manager named Bill Ham originally, who was 
uh, in retrospect, probably was amazing at getting the guys paid and keeping them, you know, making sure they didn't party their faces off. But so here's what happened. They wanted to have this tour, which is called the Worldwide Texas Tour. That's what we're talking about today in 1976. And they wanted to bring Texas to America everywhere. So let's just pause and state how stereotypical of Texas people thinking the rest of the country needs them to transport a piece of that state through the rest of, you know, anywhere outside of that state. Have you been to Texas? When was the last time you were in Texas? Um, 2012, maybe. When you were there, did you think, you know what? When I go home, I would love to have more Texas. I would love Texas to be closer to me. You Um, you probably didn't think that, did you? No. You know, actually, I was there about four years ago. To be, and I was in Austin, which yeah. right should be cool. Yeah, and should I stayed be cool. at the I stayed at the Westin. It was fabulous, and I had some great food. I got hammered. I saw a friend of mine. We drank margaritas the whole time, and I went down. Unfortunately, to Sixth Street, which is where I should not have gone, which was yeah going to like Bourbon Street. Um, and I was there at like eleven when the horseback showed up, and there was tear gas. Oh like, man, right. you you went on a good like, well, night. I was like, this This is a shitty Thursday. Quick aside, I went on a business trip for a venture that I was involved in several years ago, and we were visiting two spots in Texas, one in Austin, one in San Antonio. And we did, we're doing a back-to-back nights. We're going to drive the distance in between. So the first night we went to um, Austin, and the second night we were in San Antonio. So we were on a budget. And the guy uh, was kind of our de facto money guy who was booking the trip. So he booked us in La, La, La Quinta in. La Quinta is great. No, well, I, I just wanted to say La that. Quinta's great sometimes. La Quinta was great in San Antonio on the second night. But on the first night in Austin, La Quinta was a little scary. And uh, we weren't far from 6th Street, so I did get to make that. Uh, I, I got to make that trip down there. But I was thinking that the the room at the end might have been was seen in one of those uh documentaries where they take the black light in and they see what's on the bedspread. Oh. Yeah. It was it had that sort of vibe to it. Um but yeah. the next night in San Antonio was lovely. So shout shouts to San Antonio. And that La Quinta. That La Quinta was like a high rise that was beautiful and it literally like I couldn't believe we walked in that because we were like what are we going to walk into on the second night in San Antonio if this is what Austin was like and we walked in laughing. Uh, and the guy at the desk asked why we were laughing, and I said, we were at a La Quinta in Austin last night, and it did not look like this. And he said, oh, yeah, it really depends on the independent ownership. <laughs> so keep that in mind, folks. If you're Wow. Also, this episode brought to you by La Quinta, San Antonio. La Quinta. La Quinta. La Quinta. And right. Proceed. Spark by positive Proceed. Grid. So there is uh, this man uh, who... At the very end, we're going to hear about his accolades of something he's uh, he something he got one eventually. This man's named Ralph Fisher, and Ralph was a country western like music fan, but he was he was a rodeo bullfighter and a comedian at a rodeo. And before the tour started, someone came to the rodeo and and knocked on the door. And said, uh, hey, this man who who's the manager for ZZ Top wants to meet you. And he didn't know who that was. 
So he went to go meet Bill Ham two days later. So this is uh, this is so hilarious. And the first thing he asked him, he said, "You know, nice to meet you. I'm Bill Ham. Can you train a buffalo?" And he said, uh, "Yes." And he said, "All right. Well, you're hired." So he wanted a real live. This is this is the tour, everybody. Hold on to your asses. This is a special episode. The manager wanted a real live buffalo on stage and a Texas Longhorn, and this guy grabbed both of them. This is this rodeo guy just got it for him. So this is a quote from this is a quote from him, and this is brutal. For months we played loud rock music to them on a timer, so it would come off and and during the night. Along with a light show, I pop firecrackers near them, wave flags, anything to simulate what might happen in a concert. I already own several other animals from our rodeo show, including the buzzards. <laughs> we haven't got to the buzzards yet. So it naturally fell to me to acquire all the animals for the tour. He just took it over, right? So the so we've talked about how crazy this tour sounds. The backdrop... <laughs> that the manager designed was made up made of nine fabric frames, each were twenty feet high and thirty feet long, and it was painted to be the landscape of the Santa Elena Canyon at Big Bend National Park on the Rio Grande. That a real place. Okay, th- this and is this- unbelievable. But I want to. I do want to make an observation that this would be remarkable to do it one time in one location. What I cannot even <laughs> fathom is how you take this on the road. I I, can, I know. I, I don't I don't even know what to say. I, I've I, I don't even know. So so also the stage was Texas shaped. Oh my God. And it was at a six degree angle so that people could see it kind of no matter where they were. And the the opening acts on the the tour, uh, which is great. The first first the initial part of the tour opened up, and it was Skinnerd was wow. the opening act. And then after that, it was Elvin Bishop. Do you know who Elvin Bishop is? So, dude, I know who Elvin Bishop is because he used to play Fayetteville, Arkansas. When I so I was, when I was in Fayetteville, Arkansas, play the song <laughs> his so Elvin Bishop used to be one of these guys who would just play. George's Majestic Lounge, and I don't really know why, but George's Majestic Lounge was one of these bars that gets a certain, and we've talked about like Red Dirt Country before, so a lot of the Red Dirt Country folks always played there, but man, I'm telling you, every like three months, Elvin Bishop came through, and he played this song. Opening up for ZZ Top. (laughs) I can't believe it. Dude, how the hell did he open up for ZZ Top? <laughs> On a Texas-shaped stage. Because I presume it didn't just turn into the shape of Texas. Like, Hold on, we, we got to hear this. <laughs> I don't know, turn up to 11. I could see this carrying some, a wallop. What, what, what kills me, this is, I mean, these are years apart, but... So they took Elvin Bishop on the road, but they had there apparently was one date, not this tour, but ZZ Top had Aerosmith as an opener, and Aerosmith lasted one date, and everybody they hated them. That ZZ Top crowd threw 
firecrackers and bottles and shit at them. And Aerosmith trashed the, they didn't have their own dressing rooms. They were out like in, you know, vehicles out in the somewhere and they trashed everything. Um, but Elvin Bishop gets a pass. Weird, right? Okay. Okay. So back to the story. So there's a props manager and her name's Paulina, Paul, Paula Helena, excuse me. Um, and so this is what she said was that, you know, so the openers would finish and then, then the Texas shape stage comes out with a fiberglass border with cactus plants with cow skulls. So, and every so the opener wasn't playing on Texas. No, they had a different stage. Oh my Lord. Then while the stage was in total darkness, she would push this plexiglass pyramid full of rattlesnakes down to the bottom <laughs> tip of Texas. <laughs> and you, then you and read then, this that is her, a quote from her. Quote, this is listen, listen, this is a quote from her. And then try to get off that stage without bumping into any of the band as they walked on. So Ralph, the um, the animal wrangler. This is a, a something that he said that right before the band would play, him and another guy would walk this Texas Longhorn and a buffalo up these ramps onto these scissor lift platforms on either side of the stage and raise them 25 fucking feet above Whoa! the band. Okay, that seems like a terrible idea like entertaining to look at kind of maybe but not worth the risk i okay who's been on a scissor lift can we talk about this you and i have done scissor lifts from a vent production standpoint right yeah sure kind of a freaky place to live not super well secured i don't know what you put up there to keep the buffalo contained and not freaked out now i understand that they've gone through what sounds like the same things they were doing to iraqi prisoners uh, at Abu Ghraib in terms of getting them ready for this tour, like yeah. playing metal in their faces or whatever. But does that prepare you to be on a scissor lift? I, I, it's all of this is unbelievable. And I cannot believe is there this. Footage of this? Like, Do we have YouTube video of this? Um, no, I've, I've, I couldn't find any of it. I found, I found them. I found video that I, I can share in the show notes that taught it where they're talking about the tour, but it's nothing to the level of you seeing really anything. There's a couple of clips where you see some animals in cages. And I was like, I don't know if I want to share that with everybody, but, <laughs> and then at the end, it shows them rehearsing, but the sounds out like, so they didn't get, they didn't get a, they didn't get any permission to use the, the sound. So all the, the songs are, it's silent. Like it's weird. Um, but yeah, I could share that. Absolutely. It's, it's not that exciting. Um, so, oh yeah. So, did people so know to, that what they were going to get was this how the, the tour was promoted? Because I'm interested as a as the ticket buyer, right? Like, you think you're going to go see ZZ Top? Do you think it's going to be to this level? Were they known for this sort of thing? Is this what people expected? This wasn't part of their thing before this. So, but it went over incredibly well. People loved this. <laughs> um, so. They, so one other piece of the insanity of the animals is they were like, wouldn't it be great if we had a wolf that came out on stage <laughs> and would howl? 
like at the beginning. So that that shit can't really happen in life, right? That's that's not anything you can't train a wolf Dude, how to go out on command. tour. No. So <laughs> I'm just picturing so, him like a like in a like in a t-shirt with the sleeves off, smoking a cigarette behind the bus, lean back. Yeah, baby, yeah. I'm the wolf. So so what they did is they got a German shepherd. And they trained it to where they they basically would get the the German Shepherd to like lean its its neck all the way back, like he would like run and sit down and lean its neck back. Did like Ralph it looks do like... this too? Did Ralph train yeah. the German Shepherd to do this? Yeah, <laughs> and I kind of like he described how he did it, and it wasn't necessarily the most humane way. Like he didn't hurt the dog, and according to <laughs> Billy Gibbons, there were animal rights people everywhere at every show watching everything that they did. I guess, but but so um, so yeah, so they trained a dog, Brian. They trained a dog, and it would run out on straight stage on cue, and it would sit down, and it would it would trot out and throw its head back, but it never learned actually how to howl, so they had it on a tape. So, <laughs> so he was he was lip-syncing. <laughs> what a scandal. Oh, yeah. What a scandal. The lip-syncing wolf but, opening for ZZ Top. <laughs> yeah. And so then so then the, the lights would start to come up, and they would rise above that canyon, right? And then... And then Billy would play a different note, which would cause one of the the buzzards to hunch up and unfold its wings and flap them. And Billy was able to train the other three buzzards to pick it up and do the same thing that the other buzzard was doing. Like he trained them all to do it like in sync. Um Okay, so this is an amazing story. So I'm going to make it and just let's get us through this. But man, this is super funny. So when Jimi Hendrix was still alive, somebody asked him, do you have like a favorite guitarist, someone you like? And he said, Billy Gibbons, man. And he's still here. Unbelievable. Unbright. So this is a direct quote from Billy Gibbons about the tour, about something that happened one night. And it is a friggin' hilarious thing to hear and you have to imagine i can't do his voice you could just imagine me talking with billy gibbons okay so one evening in richmond which is june 3rd 1976 he knew the date uh this rather sizable turkey buzzard decided to take flight and it was making circles around the dome inside the arena they were playing so ralph comes out he had trained the buzzard <laughs> to look for a white hat and then land onto ralph's head but in the audience, there were all these white hats. And the buzzard was swooping around and circling. He didn't know which white hat to land on. And finally, they had to stop playing. Ralph came out. They put the spotlight on Ralph. Ralph whistles to the bird to land on its head. And then Billy says, it made the rest of the night rather challenging. How do you outdo a bird that knows how to land on a guy's head? <laughs> Because really, we are simple uh, creatures in terms of entertainment. You know, right. I mean, it really right. doesn't take a lot. Show me right. a bird that will land on command, and I am more transfixed than I am by your twenty years of learning to play guitar, Billy. Yeah, but and and we are entertained by the stupidest stuff. And Ralph Ralph made a point of saying that they they the most dangerous animal they had were the rattlesnakes, right? Well, um, you think. So, 
Yeah, so they would always make this big spectacle about moving them and then taking them in and out of their cage and stuff like that. And then every now and then they would make sure that one of them would escape and then make this big show of rescuing it because they'd always get a hit in the papers. They would say rattlesnake escapes at ZZ top concert. Like no matter what, like that would totally so work. Do you, re- can you imagine our time in, in marketing and entertainment marketing? Can you imagine entertainment marketing in the seventies for ZZ tops too? <laughs> Listen, here's what we're going to do, man. I think we just, you know, we'll get some of that free press. If we just let a rattlesnake escape, I think I got a pretty good handle on it. Ralph's here. What could go wrong? No, Ralph knows how to train them buzzers. We're all good. So, listen, I'm I'm not going to blow any more smoke up your asses anymore because you guys are so nice and, and listening to the show. And, Brian, I know you want to know. Let, let's talk about this freaking runaway let's buffalo. Talk, let's, let's talk about the runaway buffalo. Let's just get to it. Okay. So, at the second leg of the tour, they were in Fort Worth. <laughs> so, they're in Texas. Appropriate. Yeah. Like, right after Thanksgiving. And there's this brand new convention center in Fort Worth. And there's these huge big doors that go all the way to the roof. And at this point, their manager, uh, Bill Ham, had gotten really paranoid about everything. He had he had t- kind of stalked down a guy that at one point there was screen printing T-shirts, like bootlegging them and and threw them into a room. And instead of beating the With shit out the of them, he made him their head. He made he made him the head of merchandising, um, <laughs> but he got really paranoid. He was unbel- He ruled with an iron fist with these ZZ Top guys. He didn't let them party, and he would make sure that the roadies and everyone watched to make sure they didn't drink. And after the show, they would pull some girls out of the crowd and they would go backstage and make pictures. And then he would make them all the the band go back to the hotel and go to sleep. I mean, okay. Right? This sounds That's the manager. This sounds not in keeping with other seventies artists, but I gotta say, ZZ Top in a non COVID year still doing like hundred and fifty dates, man. Like those yep. guys have the uh, uh the general physique and fitness behind those beards of like, you know, men in their forties. So Bill yep. might have known what was up. He might have known what was up. Yeah. The so but he, he was getting paranoid apparently. So he was worried about fans bothering them. So he had nine limos, stretch limos for every show. And he would put all three of the guys individually in three of them, and then six would be empty for his decoys, just to make sure they could get safely from place to place. So, so here they are in these nine limos. They're backstage, lined up, parked. At Fort Worth. And they're leading the buffalo onto the scissor lift for the rehearsal, which I guess they do every night. Oh, my God. And so the the buffalo had this big nose ring, I guess, that was, like, clipped on. As you do, yeah. And it, while it was up on the lift, it did something, and it ripped the nose ring out of its nose and it starts freaking out and it's in pain and it's snorting and he like all of a sudden the buffalo sees that there's the doors that are you know up ahead and there's lights and it heads straight for it so between him and the light are these nine limousines 
<laughs> so luckily at this point, ZZ Top is not in in the limos, but there are drivers oh inside God. them. Oh my God. So the Buffalo goes in between the first two and gets jammed in between the first and like second limo. And the driver is asleep. <laughs> not for long. Wakes up. <laughs> And less than a foot away from his face <laughs> is this buffalo that's sneezing and blowing blood all over the window of the oh car. <laughs> that is not what they prepare you for in limo driver school. <laughs> but you know what he did? He locked the door just so it wouldn't come inside. Right? Isn't that crazy? It's such a cra- it's such a crazy part. So the person that took care of that situation and made sure that that buffalo was safe and not distressed and, and got that buffalo back um, on, you know, back into the convention center and got it medical attention and all that was Ralph Fisher. Was of course. the animal wrangler um, who subsequently eventually was inducted into the Texas Rodeo Cowboy Hall of Fame. And... <laughs> All because he will go down in history as the guy who was able to grab a hold of the lost buffalo on the ZZ Top tour of 1976. <laughs> I'm, Thanks, doing a, I'm doing a standing O for Ralphie. Ralph, we salute you. Is Ralph still alive? I know that uh, our boy Ham is dead, but I think Ralph is not here with us anymore. Oh, I, I that is. Absolutely unbelievable. I have a few observations to make. One is that I forget how big ZZ Top was, right? To command this sort of investment in a tour. Like, I still think of them. I don't think of them as not relevant or as not influential, but I don't think of them as, like, pop stars. And that's pop star shit, like, launching a tour like that, right? That's huge. Um, Another thing I'm interested in is what did their tour looked like in 87. It did not look like this, right? I mean, I know you described some of it to us, but if they, they brought down the excess quite a bit. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but the other thing to think is, think about all of that is, the the animal show is in 76. And I saw them in 87. But they really hit Pater in 83 with MTV. And they were a heavy rotation band on MTV. And they figured out how to make videos and they were the weird guys with beards doing like really odd, weird stuff. And they were like girls and, and the videos that appealed to like, you know, younger, like teenage boys who were watching MTV and they became mega famous. Dude, it's so funny that you say that because I was trying to think what my first experience with ZZ Top is. And I remember being at my buddy john michael's house and we were friends in kindergarten first grade ish and so young and seeing those album covers in his dad's collection and being like why do those dudes with beards hang out with chicks and bikinis it doesn't look like they're going to the same party yeah oh man that is absolutely unbelievable also shouts to the texas rodeo clown hall of fame or whatever I don't know right. what's what's funnier if the the fact that he's in it or the fact that it exists, but he needs some sort of honoring. I mean, that's 
unbelievable. What a what a story. What a story. Yeah. Uh, what's your favorite uh, ZZ Top Jam? Uh, well, we 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 were just listening to it, but I I do like um, "Got Me Under Pressure" is the one I like. That's on Eliminator. It's a oh, fun yeah. song. Usually, it's the opening uh, opening of the show. That's Still? why I like it. Yeah, they open with it a lot. It's fun. Yeah, yes, it is. All right, man. Uh, if you've got something you want us to research for you, clearly Murdoch's up for the job, and I'll try my best. Uh, you can email us at wearethestoryguys at gmail.com. You can check out our website, wearethestoryguys.com, with the other things that we are up to, including other shows and friends of ours who have shows. And uh, <clears throat> in the meantime, what do people need to keep doing uh, before the next time we convene to tell each other a story? Go out and hug your friends that are vaccinated. Yeah, and watch out for Buffalo and uh, keep telling stories. Yes, she does.